We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> you talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Yeah, I just went out there and did what Swaggy P do. <laughs> Teammates played great, and we um, came out with the victory, you know? I'm just trying to really get my, my NBA 2K rating up. You know, it's 12.02 right now. If they want to fire me at 12.05, I'll go home and find something to do. I'll have a good day. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast. It's Thursday, October 24th. Nick Whalen here with Alex Barutha. Alex, we have two nights worth of NBA games uh, officially in the books. Uh, we get Bucks Rockets tonight. We get Clippers Warriors tonight. Uh, but those are all just an appetizer, I think, for that Hawks Pistons mm-hmm. showdown. Detroit beginning the year uh, on a back to back after a huge game from Andre Drummond last night. But I think to me, the biggest takeaway the Charlotte Hornets, who I have decried to anyone who will listen on many mediums, are 1 0. <laughs> they held on for a 126 125 win at home against Chicago. Um, franchise record for three-pointers made, 23 of 44 from beyond the arc for Charlotte. More than half of their made field goals were threes. They shot 51% as a team, 52% from three, uh, and still only won a game by one point. Uh, 19 turnovers. Chicago was in position to at least tie, if not win this game right. late. Completely blew it. Uh, I don't know what Zach Levine was thinking. He had a terrible game, maybe one of the worst performances uh, of anyone on the entire slate last night. But um, I think this was weirdly the 
no pun intended, most buzzed about game, I, I think, of, <laughs> at least of the ones that tipped off in the 6 or 6.30 hour. Yeah, I watched the last, I basically watched the last quarter of this game because this was actually my favorite, like, we, we talked about some of our best bets the other day and we have articles up and everything like that. And I had Bulls minus, it didn't really matter what it was going to be minus. Like, I was pretty confident the Bulls would take this game and they did not. Um, they lost to probably the one of the worst teams ever assembled. Um I mean, at least Laurie Markinen had a good game, 35 points, 17 great. rebounds. But down the stretch, like the last five minutes of the game, everybody on the Bulls offense was completely panicking. Nobody wanted to shoot the ball. Everyone kept passing it around. Nobody knew what to do. It was really hard to watch. Um, it, yeah, I I'm, I mean, credit to the Hornets for taking advantage of the Bulls, not being able to like figure out who should take a last-second shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, it was... Um, we got we got great performance out of PJ Washington, especially yeah. someone who's gotten some late as draft season went on. Uh, was starting to get some hype as he he played well in the preseason, hit yeah. seven threes. So yeah, he was seven of eleven from beyond the arc. Played a, a game high thirty eight minutes. Um, I, I think probably by far the biggest surprise, and and perhaps a guy who could trigger some overreactions when you're talking right. about fantasy. I mean, he's not going to score twenty seven and hit seven threes every night, but. I think the bigger takeaway, especially in light of Nick Batum leaving this game and you know likely to miss a few weeks now, I mean, he's going to play minutes. I don't think that's a question. Um, there were a lot of rotations, and, and most of these we'll get to as the pod goes on, a lot of rotations that were really unpredictable coming in, right. some that we thought were predictable and didn't end up being all that predictable. Um, but this is one I think we're going to kind of have to continue to monitor game to game, week to week as the season goes on, um, especially as this team eventually you know settles at the bottom or near the bottom of the eastern conference you know right. you might see some some of these veterans guys like you know marvin williams guys like cody zeller who played 35 minutes in this game who's for some reason listed as a small forward on the box score that i'm look, looking at right now um you know those guys maybe give way to to some younger players but the thing with this hornets team is they don't you know they're not the knicks type of roster or the grizzlies type of roster or even the suns you know where you have a bunch of young players who you could you know in theory throw huge minutes at down the stretch like so much of their team is still made up of these guys who are between 28 and 33 you know who are who are just on the roster and in a lot of ways i'm proud of uh james borrego for not playing michael kidd gilchrist not playing bismack Bayambo, not playing willie hernan gomez and you know bringing marvin williams off the bench for 27 minutes where he's playing a rookie 38 minutes right i think i mean the one of the main takeaways here i think is rosier not in the game late Yep. Um, was not in the game during crunch time, was minus 18. <laughs> he was terrible. He was terrible. He was Two so of 10 bad. shooting, uh, not really a positive stat that you can point to and, and say that he did well. Uh, thoroughly got outplayed by Devontae Graham, who put up 23 points, eight assists, only one turnover. Um, and, I mean, I think Borrego's a guy who's not going to play guys who aren't playing well. I think the I think the... You know the positive. The positive about having a roster this bad is he just feels. Com- I think Borrego feels fine with playing anyone who is hot on a given night, which is going to be the worst for fantasy. Terrible for DFS. Um, impossible to predict. But I, they, um, <laughs> they'll be interesting. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, I, I think this is probably going to be the best offensive performance they'll have all year. And yeah, you know, that's not as much like a slight toward the Hornets as it is just. I mean, this was an unreal shooting performance from like seven different guys. You know, I mean, Marvin Williams and Devontae Graham were a combined 11 of 18 from beyond the arc. Um, I, I think there's almost kind of nowhere to go but down, but still a 
a pretty shocking result, I think, yeah. based on uh, the, the the reputation or at least the direction that these two teams look to be heading in coming into the season. Um, not a whole lot else to, to say really on the Chicago side. I mean, you mentioned marketing looked great. Um, not you know Wendell Carter, twelve points, nine rebounds, one block. I thought he was fine. Yeah, Levine and, and Otto Porter uh, were really disappointing. Tomas Sadoransky got the start, only scored two points, had three assists. Uh, but the bigger thing for me, only played 24 minutes while Kobe White played 27 off the bench. Chris Dunn played 24. So even though Sadoransky is, is officially the starter, that was that was decided a few days ago and, and publicly announced, it doesn't look like he's necessarily going to be playing that many more minutes than the two guys behind him. Right. And that's kind of surprising to me because Sadoransky can play maybe three positions. Right. Um, he seems like a guy who could get 30 minutes no matter the circumstance, but yeah, Kobe White looked really good, 17-7. and seven. Chris Dunn, really good as a defender, had four steals. A couple of those came late in the game when it seemed like it would swing the momentum. And it, it seemed like it did. I think the Bulls were up by like 10 at one point in the fourth. Um, but yeah, this is, as like a, you know, someone who liked Sagaransky coming into the year, uh, for fantasy purposes, this is a little concerning. Um, and I would, I would definitely keep an eye on this situation. What was more... Uh, concerning to you the Bulls losing this game to Charlotte or Sacramento losing by 29 in Phoenix I think Sacramento because I think the, I mean the Hornets hit like they they have one of the best three-point shooting performances in their team's history so it's hard to feel bad about like losing that game like you should mm-hmm. lose that game when that happens now you know they probably the Bulls should, probably should have been playing better defense but I mean the Kings really think they're a playoff team like a hundred percent. Oh yes. Uh, and you know, considering how much of a laughing stock the Suns have been lately, getting getting beaten like that um, to someone who is like very much in the eight, the race for the eighth seed with you, uh, I think is I think hurts a lot more than uh, how the Bulls lost to the Hornets. I agree. I, I think it's night one, but that was a, a concerning showing on all accounts, really, with the exception of Buddy Heald, who had twenty eight and. Uh, went six of 12 from three De'Aaron Fox only played 27 minutes he was in foul trouble in the first half so that, that was a big part of it but just eight points five assists five turnovers from him like about as bad of a start as he could possibly have Marvin Bagley not very efficient six of 16 from the floor finished with a double double 14 and 10 but no assists and then just you know one steal one block didn't really do a whole lot and the, the Kings bench which on paper at least is deep you know they right. added the Corey Joseph Trevor Ariza Rashawn Holmes um you know they still have Bogdanovich of course he was one of 10 absolutely no no production from that bench and and this was a game that Sacramento led at the half by five points they were outscored 70 to 36 in the second half (laughs) by the Suns I I mean this is this is great for people like me who like Rubio and Saric and all these Mm -hmm. you know fringe fantasy guys that have I feel like have been misused throughout the years although Saric didn't have a particularly great game uh, two of seven but you know he's a plus 12 gonna, I mean, he just he just at what point are you going to give up the sarge thing i uh, never <laughs> when he's out of the league maybe i'll play him in like euro league <laughs> dfs like, you know he's you definitely know. a candidate to pull like the mid-career miritich just head back and, to, yeah just go to barcelona when he's like 31 Mir- and miritich would dominate the euro league together yeah. that's the that's a big two mm-hmm. i think you gotta you gotta latch on to melly from uh i really do from the hornets point. he's really the new miritich he 100 <laughs> percent uh okay so let's jump to we can touch on indiana detroit real quickly uh two teams that 
I really just don't enjoy watching no. Detroit, especially. I mean, there's not a lot to see there. No Blake Griffin for them for the first few weeks of the season. But Andre Drummond, 32-23, four blocks, three steals, two assists. Even took a three in this game. I, I saw a highlight of him getting a rebound, going coast to coast, and finishing. Um, <laughs> this this was the most one of the more unexpected performances I think I can remember. It was. I would. I thought the Pistons might score 85 points yeah. here. Uh, but Kennard also kept them afloat, scored 30 points on uh, 13 shots, uh, just was really carrying the bench. Uh, although Derek Rose also had a good game, uh, 18 points, 9 assists. And those are the guys who you would expect to have to carry the offense when Blake Griffin's not there. So depending on how long Blake Griffin is out, like if Kennard or Rose are on the waiver wire, those are guys mm-hmm. you should probably be looking at. Uh, yeah, Drummond, I was not expecting him to score 30 points. I, yeah, I mean, just the, just the all-around game was, was really impressive. I think the fantasy biggest takeaway right now is the breakdown in minutes between Reggie Jackson and Derrick Rose. Reggie Jackson started, played 20 minutes, yeah. did almost nothing, five points, uh, five assists. Derrick Rose played 27 off the bench, and especially with Blake out when they need playmaking and they need scoring. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the minutes, you know, continue to favor Rose for these next few weeks, at least. I would agree. Rose is a, I mean, he's a way better playmaker than Jackson might just be a better player than Reggie Jackson at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for the, I, to move to the Pacers, they, Brogdon looked good, 22 points, 11 assists, uh, did that on only 13 shots. Um, and Sabonis and Turner look good. Like their, their main core, uh, looked good, all had at least 40, 43 fantasy points, but then they just couldn't get anything like meaningful from Warren, Lamb, like any of those guys. And I think this, I, I don't think this is how this will go all season, but I was concerned about this team's like overall talent. And I think kind of just now realizing that if you have a core or a quote unquote big three of Malcolm Brogdon, Demonis Sabonis, and Miles Turner, that's just going to be rough. Mm-hmm. like most nights and i said on a, on a video hit that i did yesterday that you know if there was a team that was equipped to handle someone like andre drummond in a situation where they don't have blake griffin to help set him up i thought it would be the pacers you know you could throw miles turner or demonte sabonis at him you have both of those guys on the court to help contain him so to me i guess it was especially disappointing for drummond to have that night against a front court like this that you know i know i know sabonis is not exactly the greatest defender in the world but at least size wise like you have two guys on the court you have this oversized front court um that you know if if it's going to work in any regard you would think it would the one thing you'd be able to stop is kind of a plotting type of center right. and and they were you know they gave up this is probably the best game of drummond's entire career yeah it was it, it's definitely concerning i don't like i said i don't think this will be the 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 way it is entirely going forward but you would if i mean if the pacers can't stop opposing centers from doing this then, like you mentioned, the point of having the, the big front court, it just it doesn't mesh as well, mm-hmm. which is concerning, especially after they just gave Sabonis an extension. Right. Um, so you mentioned Kennard, 30 points on 13 shots. Malcolm Brogdon looked pretty good, 22 points on right. 13 shots, had 11 assists. Um, not too worried about him. You know, I, I think, you know, if anything, his stock will, will remain elevated until Victor Oladipo is back, although he was scrimmaging five on five um, within the last few days, which is certainly a good sign for Indiana. Uh, let's do Brooklyn, Minnesota. Sure. This was probably the most fun game on opening night. 127-126, the highest scoring game. This one went into overtime. Um, first question, do you think Kyrie did that on purpose? Did what on purpose? Did you see the final 
the final shot that he missed at the buzzer. Oh, I think I think there was like a thirty percent chance he was going for like the and one mixtape kind of like barrel roll move. Oh, you think he was trying? I really know exactly what you're talking about. I I texted one of my group chats and was like right away. I was like, I think he might have done that on purpose, and both guys shut it down right away. But the more there was one angle when you when you look at it straight on, I don't know. He didn't trip on anything. Like if he unless he just stubbed his left foot like right into the hardwood and it and it stuck i just don't see how you know in real time it looked like maybe he got his foot tangled up or something like that and that was not the case i I think he was trying something i i will have to see alternate angles you're gonna have to send me a link to the angle that you're talking about i have some band film that that shows a a very convincing angle okay if uh because if he actually pulled that off is it the greatest 50 point (laughs) like i mean well to cap it with a game winner yeah i think so um still got a pretty good look off though he did, which was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Kyrie was was insane. Um, Fifty points, no turnovers, yep. seven assists. This has to be the best game of his career, right? I mean, if you're if you throw out mm-hmm. the finals games, he had that one against the Spurs that comes to mind. I think he had fifty seven. Okay, in a game, I remember it, either LeBron didn't play or LeBron just wasn't playing well, and Kyrie just it was one where he hit he hit a game tying three, kind of leaning in to, to force overtime. But this is yeah, certainly top five, and you know arguably the best debut we've ever seen right, right. uh no turnovers what do you have nine nine rebounds eight assists as well or the other way around uh, eight rebounds seven assists eight rebounds seven assists can you name uh i hope you haven't seen this already I, I did write this down but can you name the other three players since 2000 who have scored 45 plus on opening night uh no <laughs> would you like to guess is it uh well i saw i was watching sports center last night mm-hmm. i saw a kiki vandaway shout out that may have been a team debut uh um, i'm just talking since 2000 uh no i anthony I, davis most recently okay kobe bryant monte ellis had a 46 <laughs> point game in like 2006 that's incredibly all one name guys fantasy basketball fans the nba regular season has arrived FanDuel is offering the most exciting ways to play fantasy basketball no matter what you're looking for FanDuel has something for everyone Tons of different contests each night, tons of different formats to choose from, and some of these contests start as low as just $0.25 per entry. All you have to do is pick a contest, choose your team, and enjoy watching your results in real time. You can play against your friends for bragging rights, or you can play against the public for millions of dollars in cash prizes. To take advantage of our special offer for new FanDuel users, you can sign up today at fanduel.com slash rw. You'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with your first deposit on FanDuel, that'll get you access to our DFS lineup optimizers, premium articles, draft software, and much, much more. And that's not just for NBA. It's for all sports. All you have to do is visit FanDuel.com RW. Again, that's FanDuel.com RW. Void where prohibited. On the other end of the spectrum was Mike Conley. I, in my opinion, the worst debut of all time. I Basketball <laughs> reference allows you to search by certain parameters and i you can't quite get you know like debut game you know you can do game okay. number so you this was the worst game anyone's had in the first game of the year right um you know i can't speak on somebody who maybe debuted in like march or something like that but one of 16 from the field the worst shooting game at least he was still a plus one and despite despite scoring five points the jazz won this game 195 it's just grit and grind over okc uh other recent uh horrible debuts or season openers stanley johnson in 2017 went 0 of 13 from that's, the field on opening surprising. night that's not good tony kukoc in 1999 went 1 of 14 from mm. the field greg ostertag in 1997 
went one of 11 from the field in 18 minutes. And that was a guy who never really shot outside of two feet. Impressive. Very impressive. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is a a really good sign, I guess, if you want to spin it that way for Utah, where (laughs) your huge, you know, prized offseason addition, one of the biggest free agents uh, or one of the biggest uh, trade pieces or free agents, I guess, that you've ever brought in has arguably the worst game of his career and you still win. Um, You know, OKC, of course, is a big part of this as well. They didn't shoot the ball well, 10 to 27 uh, from three. Shea Gildas Alexander led the way with 26, but a relatively inefficient especially for him 10 of 23 from the field and only had one assist uh only did only have one turnover but two rebounds not exactly the i guess all around type of game that we were used to seeing towards the end of last year from shea right i mean it's nice that he took 23 shots i mean if you're if if you have shea gilchus alexander in fantasy and you see he took 23 shots you're pretty happy about that but actually watching the game i watched i watched the second half it, i mean this is this is chris paul's team like he just had the ball every single time uh down the court he was the guy running the half court offense if it ended up in someone's hands and they didn't get a great look within like their first move they just passed it back out gave it to chris paul i mean this is just a typical you know what we've seen from him over the years i guess aside from the houston rockets situation i'm just worried that shea gilders alexander is actually going to like turn into a shooting guard because of his play next to chris paul and that schroeder is going to handle the ball a lot yeah. too i think the fact that they're playing him at shooting guard may turn him into a shooting guard <laughs> yeah i mean so like, the people who are high on shea i don't i don't know where you landed on him exactly i, I found that i was considerably lower speaking about uh, fantasy specifically right i mean he went he was going in like the mid 40s in some of the later drafts i did i, yeah. I, I want to say he went like 36 or 37 probably in one draft and like if it's not a keeper league that's way too high i think i mean the yeah. i just don't even know what the best case is where you're getting that type of value i know the percentages were great for a rookie and typically you know if you if you shoot that well your rookie season you don't regress but it, it, you're really banking on a trade that may or may not happen i, I guess for him injuries to reach that too. potential yeah and, and injuries i you know i mean it's one game he could very well come out and have 10 assists and eight rebounds um tomorrow night but yeah a little bit concerning that he wasn't handling the ball or at least playmaking a little more I agree. I mean, I think some of the hope with him is that he becomes just an insane defender. Yeah. You know, two steals and a block, you know, theoretically on, on a lot of nights. But mm-hmm. if he's not going to handle the ball, then, you know, it's just the the value for him to be a top 40 player really just can't be there. Agreed. Did have a 31.6% usage rate last night, though, which is encouraging. That was five points higher than Chris Paul. Um, who else? We kind of just want to rattle off um you know players or teams i guess that stuck out from last night the center rotation in brooklyn yeah. is probably worth mentioning to, to go back to that game quickly jared allen started played 36 minutes deandre jordan came off the bench only played 17 minutes super encouraging if you're a jared allen guy right um but he really didn't do much he missed two free throws either of which would have put the the nets ahead with like two seconds left in regulation of that game um so kind of a sour end uh, despite the minutes I, I i think that gap will eventually close though i think so too i they both had four fouls so it's hard to blame like foul trouble on what yeah. happened necessarily it could just be whoever looks better on a certain night gets more minutes which that would be the most frustrating scenario i would rather it just be a split 24 every single night mm-hmm. um i would i would assume that evens out but i just it's hard to tell right now yeah i mean a lot of these teams and and this is going to be reflected on the site you know we we kind of blend in terms of our projections you know what what we think is going to happen with what has happened and we've we've decided over the last couple of years to put more weight on what's actually happened but until we get you know five six seven or more games mm-hmm. it's, it's really going to be tough 
uh, especially with a lot of these teams that are that are fitting new pieces. Dejounte Murray, I thought looked pretty good. Yeah. Um, as usual, the Spurs, you know, despite being a team that's fairly reliable in terms of wins and losses, um, a pretty tough rotation to figure out night to night. Um, so Dejounte Murray got the start at point. Only played 24 minutes, uh, was not in foul trouble, only had one foul the entire game, uh, but 18 points, eight rebounds, um, six assists, and three steals. And he was, he was for a while there um, kind of bodying R.J. Barrett. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I unfortunately did not catch any of this game, um, but I'll go back and watch it because I do want to see Barrett's debut. Who mm-hmm. He played. Played well. Yeah, played well. Overall, had a couple bad turnovers, but I mean, and for, for a guy that we were really concerned would shoot horribly inefficiently this year i mean nine of 13 from the field just one of three from three which i think that was a pretty big question mark for him i don't think he needs to be launching seven threes a game and, and have that kind of like trey young type of start to his career but um i think the best thing you can say you know in support of rj barrett is on a team that has probably the most unpredictable rotation in the entire league david fisdale said last night that rj barrett is, is essentially locked in at point guard and the only three guys that he's willing to to say that about are Barrett, uh, Marcus Morris, who played 39 minutes in this game, and Julius Randle, who started and played 35. So the other spots are essentially going to be rotating, you'd think, on a night-to-night basis. You know, I made fun of Marcus Morris's ADP on this you very did. podcast. I agreed with you. And it uh, looks like I'm going to be wrong. Uh, Marcus Morris kind of put together a top 80 season this year, clearly. But I don't know. Barrett, the unfortunate thing for Barrett is... He's not going to be like most point guards where he knows exactly who's going to be on the court with him at all times. He knows everyone like he I feel like that's just going to be complete chaos for him. Um, just whatever Fisdale decides to throw it around him. I, I feel like it's just going to be hard for him to get comfortable. But mm-hmm. if the minutes are there and he keeps being aggressive, then he, I think he'll put together a good year. I don't even know that the Knicks initially planned on playing him at point guard. I mean, there were some some places would list him as a small forward even and yeah, he's Fisdale, listed there on ESPN right Fisdale essentially said that he was so good as a distributor and as a playmaker in camp that they had to play him at point guard which again pretty encouraging I just based on what we've we've heard about Mitchell Robinson specifically I just don't trust the that the consistency is going to be there I and mean, Mitchell Robinson didn't play last night and Fisdale even went on to say that had he been healthy he still would have started Bobby Portis over him <laughs> so that's I, that's the expectation I guess going forward and I, I think Sadly, this this rotation, despite having a number of new pieces, is going to look pretty similar to last year where, you know, Alonzo Trier might... Like he started last night and played seven minutes. He might have stretches <laughs> where he plays... He'll play 35 minutes, 38 minutes, 32 minutes, and then he'll be a DNP the next four nights. Yeah, I think that's how it's going to go right. for a lot of these guys. I mean, Dennis Smith, 10 minutes played last night off the bench. Kevin Knox only played 21 minutes. I think that... Like he, played, he played well. Kevin Knox, he did play well, but if anything, I, 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 why are they not giving Dennis Smith a chance? Uh, what was the, you trade that was the key piece in the Porzingis trade. I, that's a bad look. It's I, a bad look. It's a terrible look with you. Uh, did you watch Sixers Celtics? That was the early ESPN game. I did watch that. Uh, was really sh- like Embiid was extremely passive early on. It was really hard to watch him take. He was like bodying Angus Cantor to get to 17 feet and then yep. shooting the ball contested like it was he took two like ridiculous fadeaways on his first two shots of the game it was infuriating to watch like you know and at one point I think it was Doris Burke on the broadcast whoever whoever it was was like you know Embiid said you make he's gonna make it a point to bully more people this year and it's like you're gonna just so he's gonna take contested jumpers over Angus Cantor in game one hey lost 20 pounds 
I, I just it was it was really weird to watch but it was um not a clean game for either side no it wasn't um watching that game it made sense after like a quarter i'm like oh like betting on the under would have made sense here um like in in hindsight Mm -hmm. but i mean the the 76ers looked great on defense i mean obviously holding the celtics to 93 points is impressive um more than anything like i'm i'm on the matisse thibault hype train oh yeah uh he looked i mean he got like three early fouls i think Kemba Walker. A couple of was, them were questionable too. Kemba was kind of messing with him, but he ended up with two steals and two blocks in 22 minutes. Yep. And if you like, the the highlights of those are pretty easy to find. Um, just continue to do what he did in college: block people from behind, poke the ball out. Yep. Um, he's going to be like, I think, really important for them. Yeah, I think he's just a perfect fit for this type of team. Yep. Too. I mean, he's one of those players that if you went to the wrong spot and they they asked him to do anything other than just be a complete menace on defense, yes. you know, I think I think it could go south. But they, I mean, this is a Sixers team that that does need shooting, and he's not a great shooter. He was one of three. I think he hit a three from the corner late in this game. Um, he's one of five overall. I mean, not a great finisher. But I, can you remember another guy coming in? a guard that has that had this kind of defensive acumen i mean you you see it with you know mitchell robinson types where you know it's easy to just kind of look at shot blocking numbers but i mean it's it's pretty rare for someone to jump out even when he's not getting blocks and steals like you can just watch him and he stands out on defense the way he's getting around screens and whatnot He, he just he moves differently than other guys even like ben simmons and josh richardson who are great defenders in their own right like he's on another level above them already I agree. Yeah, like I mean, there have been some good shot blocking guards. Like Dwayne Wade comes to mind, right? But it's not the kind of, you know, they said on the broadcast like he's a playmaker defensively, and I think yeah. that's the best way to put it. Like he's always mm-hmm. he's he's always there. He, it feels like he knows exactly what. The, it feels like if he gets beat, he knows exactly what the offensive player is about to do. Yeah, and anticipates that, um, which is really incredible. Um, but other than that, I think this was actually a pretty predictable rotation, which was mm-hmm. nice um everybody in the starting lineup played 30 minutes except Embiid who kind of got into foul trouble uh just wasn't looking very good only played 23 minutes for a guy who lost weight didn't didn't really look any more spry I didn't think I mean he did have that one I think it was Cantor guarding him kind of a like spin move into a half spin move and he he just kind of shook Cantor for a dunk that was fairly explosive but other than that you know it it didn't it kind of looked like the same old Embiid which isn't a bad thing i mean that's a guy that when he's on the court is one of the 10 or 12 best players in the league but uh at least just based on last night against one of the worst defensive front courts in the league uh, i think i expected a little more out of him yeah i agree not a great night for jason tatum had some moments but eight of 22 overall uh, looked a, a little rusty i guess early on or maybe a little over aggressive kemba you could say the same thing about you know four of 18 for him and, and honestly i mean if kemba plays 20 percent better boston maybe wins this game and they were still in it and until a late run by philly um you know kind of slammed the door but disappointing night from kemba these teams combined to shoot what 14 of like 55 from three it was a pretty ugly game a lot of like clanks off the side of the rim from tobias harris and al horford um and and kemba walker of course but i I think still an encouraging win for philly to shoot that poorly and and still win a game against a pretty good team that that did have a couple guys play well i thought gordon hayward was by far the best player for boston yeah 25 points on 15 shots got to the line 11 times uh which is really good to see him be aggressive um that's when he's at his best Mm -hmm. uh because then he can drive and kick and get you know three four five assists on a given night um yeah i'm i hopefully he can keep this up Mm -hmm. uh but this is really good for the first game of the season especially 
let's talk Miami Memphis. Um, this was a game that was really close for like three and a half quarters. Then Miami went on a huge run. I, I want to say it was like 19 to one at one point in the fourth quarter. They outscored Memphis 37, 17 uh, in the final period after trailing heading into the fourth big, big game for justice Winslow, 27 points, uh, seven rebounds, seven assists, a block and a steal. He kind of had to operate as the primary playmaker for parts of this game. Goran Dragic was out there, but no Jimmy Butler, which we learned, what, about an hour before tip-off? No Deion Waiters, no James Johnson. They should get, I would think, at least two of those guys back for um, the weekend. I I think Butler had a a kid, apparently. Didn't even know he had a girlfriend, (laughs) or I I don't think he's married. Um, So he has a kid now. Uh, Should be back in the near future. Waiters is a little more up in the air I, I think james johnson should be back within uh, a, a few games at least but it wouldn't be a surprise if if waiters just kind of begins the season away from the team and eventually we see a trade i it just seems like he uh is was told by eric spolstra like hey this is your role and waiters is like i'm better than that which he could probably you know it probably could have been any Wait, you mean to tell me Dion waiters said that yeah i know no spolstra could have been like you playing 40 minutes and Dion waiters would be like i'm a 45 minute guy yeah um but i i wouldn't be surprised if yeah if waiters honestly gets traded like before he steps on the court for the heat mm-hmm. I, wouldn't. I think he'd welcome that at this point i probably um especially with just like how well i mean you had tyler hero who's looked good all preseason have a pretty good debut uh 14 points eight rebounds had two steals um and kendrick nunn who out of nowhere 24 hey, points on 18 he just, had, shots. he just had 40 the other night in the in the preseason, preseason. Game. yeah yeah so uh very like strange situation here with waiters and and the heat being able to function like they just found yeah. other dudes who are apparently just as good as him if not better yeah i i think they're completely fine going forth with hero and none i mean waiters his, his salary maybe presents some issues from right. a trade perspective and his disposition in general. I mean, I don't, I don't think there are going to be teams necessarily lining up to get Deion Waiters, but if they need to move him, they can move him. I, I think the question is, does Deion Waiters cost you something to move <laughs> right. at this point? And I think for a team that maybe has its eyes on a bigger trade later on, you're not necessarily willing to give up picks or or another no. young player just to move a discri- Like I think they would just tell him to stay away from the team if they can't find the right deal. I would agree. I thought John Morant looked good early on. Had a, had a couple of really careless turnovers, you know, just you know throwing to a guy at the top of the key without looking and getting it picked off right. type of rookie point guard turnovers. Finished with six turnovers in this game, uh, but I, I thought he settled in. You know, after after a bit of a rocky start, had a couple nice assists, had a few nice finishes. I think he had six points in the first quarter, but they only played him twenty five minutes. Um, finished with four fouls, but I don't really think that was the reason. I, I think the turnovers and um you know just this team being a rebuilding team and wanting to get looks at at guys like tyus jones and grayson allen probably played into that as well he was minus 29 um i mean he's gonna have a problem defensively against i mean he he can run a big lineup and you know that's that would present a problem for him Mm -hmm. but i mean tyus jones is also young i don't think i don't think they're gonna shy away from playing tyus jones if if john moran's having a bad night Mm -hmm um valentunas only played 16 minutes because he was having i think foot soreness coming into the season so brandon clark got 23 minutes looked looked fine eight points seven rebounds a block um and yeah i don't i don't know if there's anybody else on this team i mean jaron jackson 
solid game, but the rebounding, yep. only had three rebounds. He, that's kind of how he was last year, though. Underratedly yeah. bad. Like Usually guys who are that athletic and block shots that well, the rebounding is just there. Um, right. And I mean, you, you can at least be like a Porzingis level rebounder. Like he's Porzingis for his size and athleticism, I think is a bad rebounder, but he still gets, you know, eight to nine a game. Whereas I mean, Jaron Jackson has a lot of games and even last season where it was 17 points, three blocks, two steals, three rebounds. Like, how is this even possible? Right. And it's not like people i mean kyle anderson had eight rebounds yeah like, valentinus only had one so i don't it's very strange yeah yeah i had valentinus i think it might be a sit in fantasy for these first couple of weeks i said he's going to be limited yeah at least first few games uh, but I, I fully expect him he's a guy I, I really wanted to get and didn't end up having too many shares of but i mean for the end for basically the last two months or month and a half last year he was a walking double double yep all right, a few more quick items. Hassan Whiteside, I thought looked pretty good for Portland yes. in the late game. 16 points, 19 rebounds in 26 minutes. Still had a few Hassan Whiteside plays, you know, crashing into guys, that type of thing. Um, struggled a little bit on Jokic at the end. Really weird game for Denver and for Jokic, who got in foul trouble early, just seemed out of it, and then went nuts in the fourth quarter and, and basically won them the game. Yeah, Jokic with 20 points, 13 rebounds, two assists in 24 minutes. Um, really great by him to be able to, I guess, put it back together. Will Barton, yeah. who we were all kind of worried about, like, this team is so deep. We're all worried about Will Barton. Um, but no, uh, I mean, he scored night. 19 points on eight shots. Uh, just they, Portland, you know, just kept hacking him every time he drove the lane. Yep. Um, I, he, I do, I, I will say, I kind of liked him as a bounce back guy because he was, oh, for sure. I mean, he was a very good player two years ago and right. then just got squeezed out. Like, he got hurt, I think, in the first game last year and him i mean his absence is really what triggered the malik beasley and tory craig emergence and then by the time he got back it was just kind of too late yeah but I, at the same time I, I also think i don't know that this game is going to be representative because a lot of those guys that we saw playing a lot bigger minutes last year even when they were healthy towards the end um you know just kind of saw smaller roles off the bench like tory craig only played 16 minutes monte morris 14 minutes malik beasley 13 minutes uh, so that was that was a little bit strange. I, I would be surprised, I guess, if Will Barton and Paul Millsap are both playing over 30 minutes on, on most nights. I agree. Um, we also did not see Michael Porter in this game. No. So that's not a surprise. It's I, not a surprise, but it's it's just we have to question how often this is going to happen. Like, I think I, it's going to happen pretty often. I, I, mean, I, think, I think in so close too. games, he's not he's just not going to be out there. Right. I mean, you, you kind of have to treat it like his real rookie season, I guess. And that's just kind of how it works for a lot of these guys. Um. So you want to do some guess the lines for, are we doing tonight's games? Are we doing Friday's games? We are doing Friday's games. Okay. Okay. Um, I'll let you lead the way on this. Okay. Um, I The first game that we have is Toronto at Boston. Hmm. I guessed Boston minus three. What I'm going to say Boston minus one. It is. Um, if I can figure it out. It is Boston minus four. Oh my god! Yeah. All right. Well, it's one for you. Completely horrible start for you. Um, no, I. I think. Um, do you think this is right? I. I feel like this is fine. No, I think it should be one. <laughs> I don't think it's right. <laughs> this is. How, we're gonna do this after every single one. Yeah. What do you think? Um, I think, you know, the Raptors, the fact that they barely beat the Pelicans, uh, I think is the reason that this line mm-hmm. moved to where it is, and I. I don't think people are necessarily uh two down on the celtics after losing to the 76ers who might be you know one of the who could you yeah. know win the finals yeah i think part of it too is just gordon hayward looking really good 
you know, Kemba Walker is not going to go four of 18 again. There's, there's certainly some progression to the mean to be factored in. Uh, this is one you may have to factor in recent performance. Minnesota at Charlotte. Uh, I got Charlotte minus 32. <laughs> now, uh, Minnesota, Minnesota by five. It is Timberwolves by three and a half, which is what I had. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Do nothing new. Uh, New York at Brooklyn. I have Brooklyn minus five and a half. I'll go Brooklyn four and a half. It is Brooklyn minus seven and a half. All right. Uh, that this is I don't know, this is interesting because the Knicks covered I think what plus ten against the Spurs yeah, barely, a couple days but yeah, ago. Did. Uh, so this is a little bit interesting. And the Nets were not convincing in any fashion. Kyrie needed 50 points and they still couldn't win against the Timberwolves right. who people think might be like not good yeah I guess I've, maybe I'm giving the Knicks too much credit but they they look like they were going to get housed early in that game battled back led for a lot of it um but I wouldn't expect that to continue Dallas at New Orleans I have New Orleans minus one hmm hmm and this is a tough one I will go I'll go can I, can I make it a pick them? Sure. An option? All right, yeah. I'll go pick them. It is New Orleans minus one and a half. Oh, my God. All right. Uh, All right, 4 0. <laughs> this one's interesting. Feel, I feel like this would be a good game to bet on Dallas. Doncic and Porzingis are going to be a lot better than anyone New Orleans has. I mean, I like New Orleans' depth, but mm-hmm. yeah. Washington at Oklahoma City. I have Oklahoma City minus six and a half. Hmm. I'll go. Man, this is tough. I mean, you got to factor in Scott Brooks' return game. Ooh, I didn't even think about that. Is there a possibility that Brad Beal is suspended? I, I, I highly doubt that'll happen. But like, could that be factored in since he was ejected last night? Let's not factor that in. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll say OKC. Mm, man, I'll, eh, OKC seven and a half. It is OKC seven and a half. All right, got we it. are back. Let's go. All right, <laughs> I think I need these last three to tie. <laughs> Uh, I actually like the Thunder in that one. I think they're going to be a lot better than... I, I think I just hate the Wizards. The Wizards looked really, really bad. Really bad. Yeah. Uh, this one fascinates me. Chicago at Memphis. Whew. Whew. I went uh, Chicago minus one. Man, I mean, you're just two juggernauts. I, I'll go Chicago two and a half. It is Grizzlies minus two. What does Vegas know that we don't know? Yeah, Vegas knows something. Something is. Up. I got. Okay. I got my eye on this one. Minus for, two. Uh, I have a best bets article coming out tomorrow. Okay. This one is on my mind. Uh, I'm. Re- <laughs> I'll go zero and two. I'll, I'm going to keep just losing on the Bulls. All right. All season. Phoenix at Denver. I have Denver minus five and a half. I'll go Denver seven and a half. You were much closer. I realized the error of my ways right away. It is Denver minus 12 and a half. Mm. Love, love, love the overcorrection on the Suns. Yeah. Like, there's no faith that that meant anything. Like <laughs> I, thought, I thought there would be some overcorrection. Um, Portland at Sacramento. I have Portland minus three and a half. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, this. we'll see if this kind of holds up. If, if they're just willing, maybe if Vegas is just throwing out last night's, you know, I mean, the Kings lost by 29 to a team that's now 12-point dogs. <laughs> uh, I'll go Portland, Portland by four. It is Sacramento by one and a half. What? I don't agree with that at all. I, okay. 
All right. That's a lot of I home think I'm still kind of in the NFL mindset. We'll have to, we'll have to get Maybe. back into this. I mean, Sacramento is better than they were last night, but... I mean, I thought Portland looked pretty good, all things considered. No, I mean, I was saying, yeah, Portland looked good, yeah. and Sacramento looked bad, but I think Sacramento is better than that. I just think right. this is... I, Portland's definitely better than Sacramento. I don't yes. think the home court advantage should play into a factor as much as they have it mm. uh probably the best game of the night uh jazz at lakers i have lakers minus one and a half i think i think you'll be right i don't personally i don't think the lakers should be favored um but uh, you know you have to factor in what what franchise we're dealing with here i'll say lakers two and a half because lakers three and a half okay so you got it all right but i agree that this could be a good spot to take the jazz after they almost got beat by oklahoma city uh and people might be down on them and conley had such a bad debut I, I thought the lakers offense just looked really bad on tuesday and i don't know that it's gonna look better against what's been one of the best defensive teams in the league the last few years the amount of post-ups like the anthony davis post-ups were it was excessive like i'm all i'm i'm in favor of posting up anthony yeah. davis but it felt f- very forced at times yeah i i forget who some podcast i was listening to said it was like watching like a mid-2000s NBA game, the Lakers offense. And it really was. Like yeah. There were a lot of times I'd notice where LeBron is starting the offense between the elbow and the three-point line. So like you know, 19 feet away, right. so no spacing. Davis is on the opposite side of the court, you know, five feet away essentially doing the same thing. And they're just <laughs> kind of operating from these like high elbow spots. And it just it was a lot of just, you know, one, you know, one kind of sweep move and then fly towards the rim. And, you right. know, in LeBron's case, it felt like he was driving to pass. It was a lot of you know, the good passes that we're used to seeing out of LeBron, but I, it, I would have liked to see him be a little more aggressive at the rim, whether the, rather than trying to kick everything out for these long passes to, to corners, to guys who just aren't making shots. Um, and with Davis, it, it felt like it was a little, a little over aggressive. You know, I, I think you could, you could very clearly like imagine Frank Vogel saying like, we're going to get you going. We want you, you know, you, right. we want you to dominate early. And there were some turnovers, there were some travels, you know, it, I, I think he took the right amount of shots, but I think he took too many like fadeaways. This is like what yeah. I was talking about with Embiid. Like it, every, t- it felt like every time Davis went to the basket, he got fouled or he basically got a relatively clean look um, at the rim. And I just I don't like the turnaround fadeaways. There's so many few mm-hmm. matchups, you know, especially because the Clippers were playing small. Yep. You have to just you have to you have to punish them for that. Like if you know if Hassan Whiteside is guarding Anthony Davis, I understand if Anthony Davis wants to do a turnaround or a fade or whatever. But not against you know Patrick Patterson or no. Montrez Harrell. They got away with playing Patrick Patterson. The only guy they really couldn't get away with playing was Zubac, and he was fine offensively. But that was that was kind of the one guy they were able to attack. But I thought, I mean, when Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams came in, it was the Lakers had no answers. Which is weird because the Lakers have JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, Anthony Davis, who should be holding it down mm-hmm. inside, and yet they were getting burned on pick and yep. rolls. Dwight like, was Dwight was terrible. He was really oh my bad. goodness. I, I think we'll kind of see we'll see much more of JaVale, I think, on Friday. Yeah, I, will. I, so. I mean, Dwight, Dwight, I think, played 19 versus 17 for McGee. I, I think that'll be reversed, if not even more of a stark difference in favor of McGee. Right. Okay, we'll wrap this up. Uh, we have plenty of content on the site for all the games Thursday night. And we'll be, like Alex said, a new gambling article coming out Friday. We have Thursday Best Bets. This was actually a pretty fun article that you, um, you know, kind of went, went around the office and basically gathered everyone's favorite NBA bet for the night. So this is one that we'll be running a few times a week throughout the season should be a lot of fun so make sure you check that out